Hello and welcome to another episode of Healing Through Pain. I'm your host, Steph, and this is a show that dives into health and healing, where we discuss how to show up well for the responsibilities and opportunities that life sends our way. Today, we're going to have a conversation about what we can learn about conflict by viewing reality TV reunion shows. Thanks for tuning in. It's probably one of the pieces of my personal time that I'm least likely to share with people, although here I am sharing it with you, so I guess that's no longer true. But I am just disturbingly fascinated, not by reality TV necessarily, but by the reunion shows that come at the end of many seasons of reality TV. And so I won't even watch the the 12 or the 15 or the 18 episodes of whatever the show is. But if I come across a TV reunion, I'm going to usually tune into it. And I have a little bit of a curiosity with what goes on in those reunion shows, because I think they actually do teach us what it looks like to engage conflict well, even though when we're watching it, it's, it's an absolute dumpster fire. There's usually a predictable cycle that's happening. Think of the fact that if we have a season one of something, it pretty much has to have some sort of resolution or some sort of tidy endings at the end of the reunion show. Now, it's it's going to keep us intrigued and there's still going to be an element of drama because we want to launch a season two and a season three, what have you. But you don't actually get to move on to a season two if everyone is so damaged at the end of the first season that they're unwilling to work together again. So literally, these people come to reunion shows to try to resolve some of their conflict and their paychecks actually depend on it. Because if they don't resolve some things and if they can't move forward together as a cast, then there isn't going to be future paychecks. And I wonder if we understood that in our own personal lives, something even more important than paychecks depend on us engaging conflict. And that's the vitality of our relationships and pretty much the quality of life that we experience. And so I want to talk a little bit about conflict today and how we can navigate that in a somewhat healthful way. And one key question to ask our ourselves when we decide with whom to engage in conflict and how we want to engage in conflict there's one key question I want to leave with you now none of this is original content today this is kind of a synthesis of some of my own ideas but really some of the works of some great authors that I read as well as some mentors that I've been allowed to walk with so I don't want to claim credit for any of the content as original content, but I I think it's hopefully thought-provoking nonetheless. And so I want to start with the observations of M. Scott Peck. In uh, one of his books, it's about community building, and he does just a great job of living at the intersection of mental health, academics, uh, spiritual health, and that's very much an intersection that I love to kind of poke around in. And so I read a lot of his work, and his emphasis really is on how do we build community well. And there's this process that happens where we come together in kind of pseudo-community, so pleasantries and niceties, and and we show up in a way that's probably somewhat non-confrontational. And then if a problem erupts or arises, there's an element of chaos that ensues. And so person A has this point of view, and person B has this point of view, and maybe they're escalating and they're giving um, pushback, whether it's gentle or firm pushback, or maybe it's aggressive pushback one towards another. And we're stuck in this pattern of chaos that really Really, we can only transcend that when emptiness happens. And emptiness is where we start to strip ourselves of ego and say, okay, it's not about my point of view only. It's about the relationship here. And in order for us to go from chaos to emptiness, 
a key question we can ask ourselves is, do I want to be right or do I want to be reconciled? Now, I don't know the origins of who asked that question initially, but I heard that question asked again and again when I was walking with my mentor through internship. And he does um, a lot of marriage counseling, which I can do, but he loves sitting in the tension of couples in conflict. And I'm a little conflict aversive personally, so it's not my favorite space to sit in. But he asks that question all of the time. What's the goal here? When we're engaging conflict, do you want to be right or do you want to be reconciled? If you decide you want to be right, understand that the default then for your partner or whomever you're having the conversation with, if you're right, it's because they have to be wrong in your story. And if that's the goal, it's protective of self. It's not protective of the relationship. So we go through kind of this pleasantry, then we go through chaos, and then we go into an emptiness. And in that emptiness, kind of that that letting go of ego, letting go of defensive mechanisms, in doing that, you're inviting the relationship into a space of being reconciled instead of one person being right and the other having to be wrong. When that happens, community can happen. And think of the word community, one of the root pieces of that is commune. So to be in peace and accord and harmony with someone. Now that doesn't mean you agree on everything. That doesn't mean that suddenly there isn't a difference of opinion. But what it does mean is that you've both leaned in closer to each other instead of pulled apart from one another. And that's one of the things to understand is conflict can help us build relational intimacy. And if we're conflict avoidant, we actually forego relationship intimacy. Each time we engage in the rupture repair cycle, we're in essence creating an infrastructure that's going to allow us to build. I don't know if I would say vertically or horizontally. I like You can build up, but you also have to build out. So I, I guess maybe that's not great word choice. But you have to lay a foundation that says that we can withstand conflict. We can lean towards one another in conflict. We can work on reconciliation in conflict. And it goes through a very predictable process, but a piece of that process is asking the question, do we want to be reconciled? Is our loyalty to the relationship or is my loyalty to self and I have to be right here? And so what's so interesting is I can clinically sit in tension with barely a second thought. This last week I had a, a client come in and she actually made a special appointment because two weeks ago she and I had a little bit of a rupture where there were things said and in real time we weren't able to process through and complete things. And so we left it in this kind of space of this space of incompletion that was very distressing for her. So when she came back to me this last week, she was clearly upset with me but didn't want to say why. And so I said to her, I said, here's what I know. I said, I can see that you're holding back. What I'm concerned about is that we will not be able to bridge this gap here if you're unwilling to let me know how I've contributed to your frustration. I need to understand it. And if you're not going to allow me to understand it, I worry that we won't be able to move through this. And so I sat with her in the tension of her being frustrated with me for probably the broadside of about 20 minutes before she started to be able to give me some of her narrative. And in doing that, I had to kind of recalibrate some of the things that I had said. I had to take ownership of how I may have miscommunicated some things. And I also had to stand firm with a few things where I said, I, I'm committed to what I said there. I don't think I was inaccurate. And it's okay if you disagree with me. Those are all okay pieces. So in, in the kind of coming together stage, 
what had to happen was I had to own up to some of my pieces of the misunderstanding. I had to make sure that I stood firm on things that I was truly committed to, but also I had to create space to say, I don't know everything. I'm not the expert all of the time, and sometimes I get it wrong. And as we kind of went back and forth in that conversation, the defensiveness really just dissipated. Now, I didn't go into the conversation defensive because clinically I know what I'm doing. I'm very capable of staying in most contexts pretty grounded and pretty intentional with my clients. But I had to be really kind of strong and resolved and and give her permission to go through whatever she needed to get through in real time and give her calm reassurance that there's literally not anything you could say in this room here that will push me away from you. You can be upset with me and let me know I've done something wrong and I will still hold this space as sacred with you. You can be absolutely committed to the idea that I'm the worst clinician you've ever walked with and I'm still going to be okay because I know that being reconciled with you is more important than me protecting my ego in this context. And so I know how to do it clinically. Now what's interesting is when conflict shows up in my personal life and I've shared with you before that relationships in general are somewhat difficult for me. I'm a pretty protected person. It takes me a long time to get familiar with someone, and I'm very much a consistency over time person. I also don't have my professional backing when I'm in intimate conversations with friends and with family. I have knowledge of how to be professional, but I'm not in that posture. And I'm acutely aware of when I'm in distress, the chemicals that are flooding my body and the discomfort that I'm feeling. And there's there's nausea and there's constriction and there's you know shallow breathing going on. And so when I had a conversation this Saturday that was so profoundly uncomfortable for me, I, I had nothing but reverence and respect for my clients because it is so hard to sit in tension and feel like either your words might be used against you or you might say the wrong thing or you're not communicating yourself well Or maybe you don't even know what you want to communicate. You just know that you're frustrated. That's incredibly difficult to do. But if we're willing to stay in the tension, then we can go from chaos into emptiness. And then from emptiness, we can lean into community. But it means we have to want to be reconciled more than we want to be right. Obviously, if I'm going into conflict with someone, I feel some element of righteous indignation or some element that I'm right and they're wrong. I also have to have the flexibility to say, but they're someone that I want to have relationship with as well, I want to be reconciled with them, so I have to be open to understanding their point of view. And when that happens, we can come together in community. And when I have to practice this in my own life, I'm constantly reminded of, of how brave it is to try these skills, especially if they're brand new to us, especially if someone hasn't modeled conflict resolution in our stories. But reconciliation is paramount. Going through the rupture repair cycle is paramount. If you refuse to engage conflict with someone, there are only so many levels of intimacy that the relationship can actually attain. True intimacy comes from navigating conflict and understanding that we can survive conflict. If something goes awry, we can sort it out. It's a very adult posture. It's a very loving posture in your relationships to invite someone into conflict and for you both to feel like, hey, we can navigate this. And so as I watch reality TV and I see that their paychecks depend on it, they have to come to some sort of resolution. They
They have to be stripped of their ego. They have to come into community. I just think of how much more important it is for us in our real lives to go through that same process because the stakes are actually higher for us. It's not just we lose a job if we don't engage the process. It's we impede our quality of living. We're going to stymie quality in our relationships. We're going to lead to unsafety in our interpersonal dynamics. And we're going to strip ourselves of the potential of self-growth. It's all heavily influenced by how we engage conflict. So as you go into the week and as you have to have uncomfortable conversations, think through what's my goal here? Do I want to be right or do I want to be reconciled? Because you can't have both. Take it seriously. Decide which is more important to you. And then if you want to be successful in conflict, you have to stay engaged. Tolerate the tension. Tolerate the distress tolerate the chaos, then you have to be stripped of your defense mechanisms. And after that point, you can engage in community. That's where we're going to leave it today, guys. I hope you have an awesome week. We'll be back Wednesday with another episode. If you're willing to share, like, follow, whatever that looks like, it's always much appreciated. Take care.